0: Good afternoon. Good Let's just remind that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, girlies. I hope you are enjoying your day today. And I promise to have an intro by the time we wrap up the second season. I'm really I'm not sure what happened to the intro. I really do think that I accidentally deleted the intro while I was cleaning up my Mac just to get some space for editing YouTube videos, so I probably deleted it. Like, I'm 99.9% sure the intro is deleted. So if you are new here, welcome to Faithfully Feminine Podcast, where we talk about all things faith, feminine, navigating womanhood, how great or how ghetto that may be sometimes. So welcome. Today's episode, we are going back in our read-along with the bait of Satan. I know that I skipped... Well, we had a little bi-week and... Well, okay, it wasn't a bi-week because I did drop a podcast episode. Thank you very much. Very much. Hashtag consistent. Anyway, we had a little pause during our, there, there, that's what we're calling it. We're calling it a pause. We had a pause. I decided to drop an episode about failure. If you haven't listened to that, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that child. Cause it kind of wraps up with today's message. And I talked about how I failed and what to do when you fall, when you fall, because it is inevitable. And what happened with me during my financial fast. So today we are going to semi-wrap up the read-along for The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. If you have not picked up the book already, I highly encourage you to pick up the book, whether it is Audible, whether it is Kindle, whether it is paperback child, whether you rent it from the library. I do think that this book is a book that everyone needs in their library in their personal. They they should own this book. So without further ado, we're going to get into chapter 16. I do want to let you know with this read-along that I did skip. The middle part of the book with you all. We're going to be skipping that because I don't want to really beat a dead horse. i talked about how important it is to have a church community many times in my episodes, but I do know we always have new listeners. So the middle of the book talks about how important it is to have a church community, and how important it is not to leave that community whenever you are offended. So, if you ever been to a church and you didn't like certain topics that they were talking about, you didn't like what the preacher said. Heck, you didn't even like what the preacher was wearing. I, I had that. <laughs> I raised my hand. I went to church. I was like, I don't like what he wearing, child. But did I leave? No, I still go to the church. <laughs> I do. I actually do. Fun fact. I still go to the church. The man comes on stage with $5,000, $7,000, $8,000. He came on stage with $17,000 pants on. Because I'm a fashion girlie. I know how much some pants cost he had on. And so it really was like, huh. I started to get a little offended because now I want to look at the church finances and where this money is allotting because there should be no reason why, in my opinion, you walked on stage with $1,700 pants on. But again, that's an example. Whenever you get offended by something, it is not your best interest to just walk out unless God is telling you, hey, this is not the place for you. So that is me wrapping up the middle of the book. And we are starting off today at chapter 16. And chapter 16 is, y'all, it's gonna get you... Girl, let me, let me flip to the chapter 16 uh, All right, now. <laughs> I'm trying to get to it. Like, what's going on? Oh, and by the way, while I'm getting to chapter 16, y'all, there are going to be some questions that I highly encourage you to answer. I'm going to ask you them, but either you can answer in your head right now or you can listen to this episode later, write them down. I know I like to listen to podcasts while I work out. So half the time, if there are some action items, I'm doing it later. Now, chapter 16 is titled, Grace is Given to the Humble. Opening verse on this is 1 Peter 5, 5, Be clothed, Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We all know that one. So, trials in this life will expose what is in your heart, whether the offense is toward God or towards others. Tests either make you bitter towards God and your peers, or they will make you stronger. Let's stop right there testimony time. (laughs) There was a time in my life, and I'm pretty sure you might be able to attest to this. Have you ever just beefed with God? I mean, like, you literally was beefing with God. I was beefing with God from the period of third grade to about fifth grade. I was beefing with God again in high school, probably from like ninth grade on and off, definitely until senior year of college. Beefed with him again probably sophomore year to junior year. And these, these were like, as I was getting older, it was like stronger and stronger beefs. Like I was really beefing with God, like for real, for real. And I remember going to counseling because then it was allotted to me during um, during college, right, in, in your tuition. Sidebar, if you are in college right now listening to this, please utilize your counseling and therapy services because you are already paying for them, Okay. Okay. So I did that and I had an assignment and the assignment was to write a letter to everyone who had really, really broke my heart. And it wasn't too many people, but everyone who really broke me down to write a letter and to anyone I was really beefing with because of that I was bitter towards. And so in this, I'm like writing my letters and something's just told me like, Girl, you beefing with God. You are really beefing with God. You are really much, very much bitter, and you need to tell God how you feel. And so I decided to, dear God, and I went in. I mean, that out of all the letters that I wrote, I think I only wrote four letters, three or four letters, and this one was the longest, I kid you not, I was crying while I was writing this letter, and I was just getting out everything in my heart, like, why did this happen to me, why did I have to go through this, like, you are God, and you allowed this to happen to me, X, Y, and Z, I was just so angry, so hurt, so upset, and by the end of the time that I finished that letter, thank God I didn't get striked by lightning, but <laughs> I didn't get striked by lightning, y'all, I'm still here to tell the tale, God loves you, but I felt this sense of sureness or stillness. I wasn't at peace, but my heart wasn't really troubled. I wasn't frantic. Of course, I was crying. But after I wrote those letters, I felt so much better. And when I got to the one towards God, I felt so much better. And I kid you not, this is early, early college. All of those questions to which I asked God in that letter has been answered. They've been answered, every last one of them. Now, of course, was not right when I wrote it, right? But throughout the years of me asking God, why did I go through this? Why did you put me through this? Everything started to come together, and the Holy Spirit and God really led me to those answers. And so I just want to say, one you beefing with God or you being bitter with God is not going to push you away so far to where you will never come back. If you write him a, a angry, strongly worded letter, you won't get striked by lightning. I, I live to tell another day, right? We're here on this podcast right now. And so when I read this first paragraph that I just read to you from the book, I just felt the need to share that because I really remember being in that space where I was just so bitter and so offended and so upset with God. And the book says, if you fail, which I did, you become offended, which can lead to defilement with bitterness. Simon Peter was shaken to the point that he could no longer boast of being great. He had lost his natural confidence. He had saw all too clearly the fertility of his own strength, his own strong will. He had been humbled. He now was the perfect candidate for the grace of God. God gives grace to the humble. Humility is a prerequisite. Have you ever heard Christ say, have you ever said to Christ, Lord, I've served you and I've laid many things down for you. Why is it so difficult or terrible? Why are difficult and terrible things happening to me now? I don't know. He worded this a little weird. But basically, have you ever beefed with God? Have you ever been like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening right now? Right? Why did I just get a new job and I'm going through X, Y, and Z? Why did I just meet another horrible man? child? Right? And so... Christians who experience hurt and disappointments often become offended with the Lord because they believe he should give them special considerations for all they've done for him. They are serving him with the wrong reasons. You should serve the Lord for what he can do for, wait, what? You should not serve the Lord for what he can do, but rather for what he is, who he is, and what he has already done for us. Those who become offended do not fully realize great a debt he has already paid for their freedom. They have forgotten from what manner of death they were delivered. They see through natural eyes rather than internal eyes. Are you serving the Lord out of pride, self-confidence, or the hope that he will reward you for your service with material things or an easy life? So there's a couple questions for you to work on. And this is my motivation for serving christ is my confidence rests in blank the reward i expect from him is blank after that you can write down a prayer or you can pray and ask the lord to purify your heart and take away all the confidence in your flesh growing up in the church i y'all i grew up in the church if, if my mom probably could have, like, birthed me in a church, she probably would have. <laughs> that, that's how I can, I've been in the church for as far as I can remember. And there, there's great things with growing up in the church. There's okay things with growing up in a church. And I feel like as you grow and as your mind, you know, matures, you go through trials, you get more wisdom, you go through life experiences, you realize that sometimes growing up in a church, depending on what church you grew up in, They kind of don't really put an emphasis on certain things with children. And I think this is one of them. Now, growing up, religion sometimes teaches you if you don't do X, Y and Z, like bad things will happen to you. And so you want to be like a good Christian and tithe. You want to be a good Christian and go to church. You want to be a good Christian and help the less fortunate. You get what I'm saying? And so when you do these things, right, because I was taught and conditioned that this is what I'm supposed to do. And so expecting how we condition children and even alongside conditioning children to growing up in their mannerisms, right? When I do good, I got a reward. (laughs) we talk about little sciences you know like freud and stuff when i do good i got a reward and so religion had taught me that there was a line between good and evil good looked like this evil looked like this and so i expected a reward i don't think it's really far-fetched i don't think it's really far-fetched i really do think the church really trains children to think like this i'm not the only one i can't be and so the book debunks this construct of you're not serving the Lord because of what he can do or what he will do. You're serving him for who he is and what he has already done. It's already written. Satan already knows his ending. He knows the Bible more than we know the Bible all put together, child. But he's counting on us to not live that out and for us to not really believe it wholeheartedly in our hearts when we walk through these valleys, the valley of the shadow of death, right? Right. And so my favorite verse that I've been telling y'all, I've been really just looking into my whole entire financial fast, is man and woman, man, of course, but I just say women because we got girls here. <laughs> well, actually, there might be people who are not women either, but this is the same. Y'all know what I'm saying, child. I can try to always be politically correct these days. But women, men, do not live off of bread alone. But by every word, by the words, wait, how it go? <laughs> <laughs> this is my birds, y'all. But I still, every time, I just paraphrase it. Like, Atlanta Bible version. Forget King James Version. This is the Atlanta version. Men do not live off of chicken wings alone. We live off of every word by the word of God in his book, okay? That is the Atlanta version. We don't live off of just bread alone or off of whatever alone. Every word that God has said and has spoken to has already been done. And so we, when we worship him, when we do the things that we want to do, it's important to check our heart posture in this season. Now, the book doesn't say to check your heart posture, but I think it would be a good follow-up. Um, I think, well, maybe the question's there for you is to like get you to understand your heart posture. But it's always good to check yourself before you wreck yourself, like that old saying we used to say in school, because there are some days that I do very much make it about me. Some days I don't, but some days I do. And it's important for me to understand, wow, Imani, that was not okay. You really just turned on some music to praise God because you had something come up and you wanted it to go your way. That's not okay. And then you ask for forgiveness, and then you continue to move on but you have to be able to be in the stance to check your heart posture. And so we're going to go into a couple more questions. It says, "My motiv- my motivation for serving Christ is?" Question mark. "My confidence rests in?" Question mark. "The reward I expect from him is?" Question mark. So I want y'all to answer those three questions. And then we're going to go into chapter 17 called The Rock of Offense. I highly encourage you to listen to first to listen to wow (laughs) to read first peter two six through eight today the meaning of the word believe has been weakened in the eyes of most it has become a mere acknowledgement of a certain fact to many it has nothing to do with obedience but the passage above the words believe and disobedient are represented as opposites the scripture exhort that whatever whoever believes in him, Jesus Christ, should not perish but have everlasting life. We all know that one, John 3, 16. As a result, the way we view the word believe, many think that they are only required to do is believe that Jesus existed and that he died on Calvary to be in good standing with God. If if that was the only requirement, the demons would be in good standing with him. For the scripture also says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. James 2.19. Yet there is no salvation for them. That is just a heavy hitter. So just believing that Jesus died on Calvary is like, and I do hear a lot of churches preach this. All you have to do, is believe that Jesus died for your sins, and that's good. But the demons already know that. As of James 2, 19, the demons already believe that, and they tremble at it, and there's still no salvation for them. So that is not enough. So the book asks you a couple more questions to describe what is faith for you, to describe what is obedience for you, and if you say you believe and do not obey, then what does that truly mean? So I'll let y'all fill that out, child. (laughs) The word believe, it has more meaning in scriptures than that of merely acknowledging the existence or the mentality of assenting to a fact. Remaining true to the context of the verse above, we can say that the main element of believing is obedience. We could really read it this way. Therefore, to you who obey, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders reject has become a chief of cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and rock of offense. Love is the bottom line in our relationship with the Lord, not the love of principles or teachings, but the love for the person of Jesus Christ. It is not difficult to obey when you know the character and the love of the one to which whom you are submitting to. The same could be said for relationships, y'all. It's it's really not hard when you fully understand the person. Love is the bottom line in our relationship. When you live in obedience to the will of God, you will fulfill the desires of men. You will not fulfill the... Okay. (laughs) Y'all. When you live in the obedience of God, you will not fulfill the desires of men. So there's going to be conflicting, and people may judge you. As a result, you will suffer in the flesh. And when you suffer in the flesh, just like I did and just like I shared the last episode, yes, it might be uncomfortable. Well, It will be uncomfortable. And you will hear the things that people say, and it may bother you. But you will come out on the other side being more happy and more fulfilled because you are on the path that God wants you to be on. So, with that, go my doves. I hope you all were able to answer these questions, and we will be back next week to wrap up the entire book of The Bait of Satan. I'll see y'all next time.